Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're kicking off our end-of-year fundraising drive with a special discount offer from our partner, Heritage Foods USA, an online farm-to-table butcher shop specializing in heritage breed antibiotic-free meats. Donate to Heritage Radio Network before Sunday, December 4th at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate, and we'll send you an exclusive discount code for 10% off all Heritage Foods products. Help ensure another year of great food radio, get 10% off delicious and sustainably produced meat, and support small family farms all in one shot. How's that for a holiday miracle? Head to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate by Sunday, December 4th to make your contribution. If your restaurant wants to put the best on the table, look for food with the New York State Certified Seal. It's food that is grown right, right here. Learn more at certified.ny.gov. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and I have a piece of paper in front of me, so just had to grab that. Anyway, um, you know, it's December, so it's the time that everyone th- is thinking about holiday gifts. I know a lot of people are also thinking about giving to nonprofits that they love, um, nonprofit media, journalism. Uh, organizations like the Sierra Club, for instance. But uh, we just wanted to let you know that Heritage Radio Number is a member-supported nonprofit radio station, and it's devoted to all things food. Um, so we're, you know, we're just looking for your support during the, our big end-of-year fundraiser a contribution in any amount. Um, not only supports our 35 weekly programs, but also comes with an exclusive member benefits like monthly best of playlists and oh so fashionable swag, like some recent um, pot holders with Heritage Radio Network's logo on it. It's really a nice. It's a nice gift for you if you'd like to donate, but it also makes a good gift for others. And speaking of gifts. Now that it's December, I'm seeing a lot of holiday markets uh, just around the corner from here. I just passed one, and um, everyone's talking about what to give people. Uh, I recently started talking about um, compiling a list of gifts not to give the food-obsessed folks on your list. And um, I got a lot of responses. And one of the interesting things I heard was cookbooks, because foodies tend to have too many of them. Now, that may be sort of blasphemous for this show and for anyone who writes about food, like every guest who's ever been on it, but, um, and myself included. But uh, I have a book right now that I think it's not quite a cookbook. It is a cookbook, but it's more about the story rather than the recipe. Um, it is an amazing compilation of essays and stories about food by an incredible group of current um, working authors artists and uh, photographers and all kinds of artists and writers, basically. So I'm really pleased to have the editor of this book. It's Natalie Eve Garrett on the line, and the book is called The Artist and Writer's Cookbook, of course. Hi, Natalie. How are you? Hi. Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So thanks for for coming up with this book. I think it's a really lovely um, compilation. It's really, um, you know, just... 
just like so many uh, literary compilations that we see these days. I've even seen um, musician uh, sort of compilations about uh, all like sort of essays around their favorite food memories. So this is really cool because it's all about artists and working writers. Um, you got some you know really big heavy hitters like Joyce Carol Oates, Edwige Dandicat, T.C. Boyle, and so forth. 60, 67 artists and writers, that is. So it's 76. A, 76. 76. 76, yeah. Okay, got it. Um, so that's, that's a, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot of artists and writers. <laughs> yeah, so how did you come up with the idea for, for doing this? Um, so it's actually, it's inspired by a book um, from 1961 mm-hmm. um, uh, of the same name. Um, so it's, it's wholly indebted to and inspired by the... Um, the original Artists and Writers Cookbook from 61. And you, and you sort of stumbled upon this book, right? And it's I did, out of print yeah. or just a rare um, little find? Um, well, I got the idea. I, I just read about it online. Um, mm-hmm. I got the idea for making it um, about three years ago. Um, yeah, like slightly, slightly more than three years ago. Um, and at the time, I was um, home taking care of my two kids. I have a six-year-old daughter and a almost four-year-old son. Um, so at the time, my son was just a a wee babe, and my daughter was in preschool. Um, so I was home taking care of them um, and, you know, sustaining their existence, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also trying to paint and write and cook um, and publish um, some of each. Um, and I was sharing. I did a lot of work on the blog, The Hairpin. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, like, a, a regular, semi-regular column called Animal Surprise where I shared paintings, and I had mm-hmm. a food art column <laughs> called Yogurt Surprise. And wow. I had a food, a food column called okay. um, Dis- Disgustingly Good. I see. So this is your, like, thesis, uh, writing <laughs> um, art and writing about food. Then Art, art and writing yeah. about food. Um, yes, yeah, so, so I was doing all this, and then, and then right, yeah, so one, one fateful day um, I came across the original artist and writer's cookbooks, and um, I just, I felt like all of my passions were just colliding um, mm-hmm. in, in that book, um, and I just, I knew um, that right sounds... away, and I'm not very spontaneous in, in life, I feel like, but I knew right away that I wanted to make a modern version. Cool. Yeah, that sounded like an amazing book. They had, uh, you know, Marcel Duchamp and Harper Lee all mixed and mingled in there, like a crazy menu of, yes. of food yes. writing. Um, so that's a great idea to kind of take it into a modern context. And uh, I'm curious what what you think of overarching themes and maybe the difference between then and now. Uh, are there anything that is there anything about these this collection? I mean, I've I've sort of gathered some thoughts about many common strains I've seen throughout the essays. But yeah, uh, what do you think? What do you make of it? And also in the context of comparing between yesteryears or 1961's version right yeah um well the version of six from 61 um i mean it's similar in that um that version isn't just a traditional cookbook either like it includes um real recipes like plenty of plenty of real recipes and mostly real recipes but also kind of a smattering of imaginary ones and um ah, sort okay. of like so, so i definitely Duchamp's tried maybe. to cultivate whimsy in the same, mm-hmm. same way and encourage um, I'm a big fan of surrealism and fabulism and fairy tales, so I really I wanted to you know encourage contributors to um, to you know share memories of favorite dishes, but also to you know feel free to share almost disastrous ones or to you know conjure up imaginary foods. Um, and definitely, I I definitely 
I pushed for that actually. <laughs> um, and, um, so, and uh, the version from 61, um, you know, it's, it's wholly charming and, um, and I loved it and it was the inspiration, but it's, it's pretty different. Like it's, um, it's not really a story driven book in the same kind of way. Okay. Um, it see. includes like some anecdotes and then there are a couple of pieces that are quite long. Um, uh-huh. like, but, um, but it's more like it's it's mostly a recipe book. Um, oh, weird. You know, okay. The, the cookbook title. So yeah, it hmm. includes 220 recipes. Wow. Okay. Um, so it's and some people did more than one. So um, mm. it doesn't it doesn't have 220. <laughs> it's sort of like a book, scrapbook. But, um, but like for me, yeah. when I read it, like the the stories and the the little the little bits that I could glean about, um, you know, my favorite author, our favorite artist was the most fascinating yeah. part. And you know, when yeah. I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, Marion Moore, what did she write about? And I, you know, was skipping through it as fast as I could. What did she do? And <laughs> and it was a pudding. And that's <laughs> But like I, and, you know, like, but like, great. It, was, it was really just the pudding. Like there was no more than than the pudding. And come on, and I really was yeah. just like, oh, tell me about your pudding, Marianne Moore. Oh. So so eager to have more. So I really like wanted to try and get that kind of mm-hmm. intimacy um, and sort of yeah. accessibility. That's so funny. Well, there is quite a variety here, you know, speaking of surrealist and uh, recipes, um, some are a bit more tactical than others. I was really (laughs) surprised by a T.C. Boyle's um, recipe and and essay for baked camel stuffed. (laughs) Yes, I have not tried that one. Um, Is that real or I I can't figure it out. He writes. Okay, so I'm just going to read the entire recipe after the ingredients. It says dig trench, reduce inferno to hot coals, three feet in deep in depth, separately hard cook eggs, scale carp and stuff with shelled eggs and dates. Season bastards with stuffed with (laughs) and stuff with the stuffed carp stuff, stuff bastards into sheep and stuff. Stuff sheep into camel, singe camel, then wrap in leaves of doom palm and bury in pit. Bake two days, serve with rice. Um, he said um, he came up with this recipe while he was a student in Iowa at the Iowa Writers Workshop. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that one is um, an actual recipe or... Uh, dreamlike. It's funny because DZ Boyle doesn't really write that surreal. <laughs> it's very realist when it comes to the fiction, but um, yeah, that one was delightful. Good. Yes, I, I'm not sure if he's he's tried that at home either, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think I don't think I will be making that anytime soon. But I but I love it. I thought it was really nice that, um, with that exception, okay, um, a lot of them were just really humble foods, and you don't see people exalting, say, you know, the most amazing, memorable Michelin-starred restaurant meal that they've ever had. In a lot of right. the cases, they're they're waxing sort of nostalgia about something, you know, from the time then when they were given rations as a child during a yeah. wartime era, right. or. Um, uh, something that they learned to make when they were poor and, you know, or in college or something like that. Um, or something just really simple and humble. And I thought that was really interesting to see um, a bunch of really successful writers and artists, nowadays at least, um, talk about these these uh, really boring sort of, <laughs> not boring, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, like, yeah, for instance, no. there's the sardine sandwich by Simon Rich. Yes. And I, I love, love that one. I love the sound of this one. I'm totally going to make Me it too. sometime. Um, you know, he talks about I love sardines too. Yeah, that I was know. one of the first pieces I got. I was so I was so happy to. Should we just read this one? 
Do you, sure. Do you want to read it, Natalie, or should I? Um, I'm still flipping through my book, so you're okay. welcome to. I'm not there yet. I'm, okay. I'm on my way. Okay, I really like it, so let's or go I'm for it. Or I'm happy to. If you, if, either way. You got it? Yeah, I got it. All right, let's do it. Okay. My grandparents couldn't believe I loved sardines. When they were growing up, canned fish was a last resort, a cheap and desperate way to stretch a paycheck. I come from a long line of sardine eaters, but I'm the first one in my family to eat the things by choice. Sardines may be cheap, but they're also pretty decadent. They're full of salt and oil, particularly if you get the kind that's, quote, packed in salt and oil. And the servings are huge because the tins are packed like, you know, sardines. King Oscar stuffs 12 in every can, an entire school of fish. When I eat sardines, I like to imagine that they're regular-sized fish and that I'm a large monster. Sometimes, if nobody is around, I'll even speak to the sardines in a monster voice. There's no escape, I'll say, or try and escape. I imagine the sardines straining against the mustard, struggling to swim to freedom. There's fear in their eyes, but also respect. I'm an impressive monster to them, and they're proud to have, beaten, to have been, quote, beaten by the best. Here's the recipe my grandparents taught me. Shall I read the recipe? Or? Uh, it's, yeah, sure. It's, I like uh, the recipe, too. Yeah. Um, so this is Simon's sardine sandwich, one Thomas's English muffin, one can King Oscar sardines packed in salt and oil, one white onion and mustard, Toast both halves of the muffin, slather on mustard, throw on the sardines and some chopped onions, serve open face, devour. That just sounds so satisfying and good in a really simple way. Yeah, no, it does. I, I, I mean, I love, I love, I've, I've had it before. I love sardines. <laughs> I love his sandwich. It's great. Well, maybe that's one difference between, you know, the changing of times now, now we all kind of like sardines not all but uh it was very looked down upon in yesteryear um yeah i just think it's really neat that um you know some so many of these foods are so simple and for someone who is an artist or writer who makes a living out of creating these imaginative works of art or writing that um a lot of their food is actually just um very simple do you yeah, think there's no, something ironic? Nice, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, um, Lev uh, Grossman was was saying to me recently um, at at the book um, talk in New York that mm-hmm. um, that he just thought it was interesting that like a lot of people weren't um, on brand as he put it ah. in their pieces. Um, like they didn't. He was he was sort of wondering if that's what it would be like. Um, and you know, like I mean, I think some people kind of were, but but that's fine too, and it's it's mm. great. But um, but he was saying, like, I guess this is a slightly slightly different point, but for some reason, something you said um, made me think of it. But he was saying, um, like, if he had been on brand, as he put it, like he would have written about like magic muffins or uh-huh. something, which I thought was really funny. Something um, elaborate, maybe, yeah. But but he didn't at all. He wrote about scallops, um, hmm. and like and this piece is kind of. It's pretty emotional, especially when I heard him read it. Yeah, Liv Grossman. So were there any, did it, I imagine that, you know, looking through this and sometimes, you know, you come across a favorite writer or artist, this kind of sheds a new light on, on some of them. Were there any big surprises for you? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there were a lot. I mean, his was definitely one because it was mm-hmm. sort of this whole, like he writes about um, depression and suffering from depression for years. And, um, and actually it was um, going to cooking school and this dish in particular that he writes about that helped him, that lifted him out of sort of decades of um, not like severe, you know, debilitating depression, but, mm. but it was, I mean, depression. It's so um, personal, and, you know, yeah. written about it before, but he's, he said he's never really, like, discussed the, um, the impact of food. And, like, the, and, and when, he, when I talked to him in person, he said he kind of downplayed it in his piece, actually, because he felt like it wouldn't sound believable, oh. like that it was, really, it was wow. really this cooking class, and, like, it really was this dish in particular. And he said that he made it, and he really, like, it was the first thing that he made that, that really worked, and not only worked, but, like, was so good. And it was the first thing he felt like he'd done with his hands. That, wow. that was so good, and, and he, it changed his life. And he, he wrote he, he wrote his first novel after the the class, and everything everything kind of turned around. Wow, um, you know, which it's... was amazing. And also, he said that actually he he never really had thought to tell the story before, mm. which was so like yeah. kind of, he, when he got this invitation, he knew. Um, oh. You know, when I emailed because I mm-hmm. emailed these people all, you know, they're all mostly perfect strangers who I reached out to, <laughs> which was. Um, exciting and, and strange and, uh, you know, amazing that um, people actually, you know, write back and, and it can happen. But, um, but he said that, like, when he received the invitation, he felt like he had been waiting to tell this story, but, like, he really had, he, and he never would have told it otherwise. So it was really, like, a lovely thing to hear. And, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, that definitely, like, shares a whole new dimension about a writer or artist, and it's very intimate, too. So yeah. food gets you all those places. Um, right, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit more about some of your favorites and some of my favorites, um, oh. but we're going to cut to a quick little commercial break, and we'll be right back with you, Natalie. chefs and restaurants are proud of the food they put on the table. And serving produce that comes from local, environmentally responsible farms is a way to leave an even better taste in everyone's mouth. So when shopping for your ingredients, look for the New York State Grown and Certified Seal. It lets you know which food is grown right, right here in New York State, certifying the food that comes from local farms that meet a higher standard. You'll not only be serving local food, you'll be supporting local farmers. Learn more about the New York State Grown and Certified program at certified.ny.gov. Hey, hey, we're back chatting more with Natalie Eve Garrett. She is the editor of the Artist and Writer's Cookbook, a collection of stories with recipes um, featuring 76 amazing writers and artists. Um, Natalie, how's it going? Good. We're still here. I'm still here. Okay. One thing that I really like about this book as a whole, and um, if I can sort of summarize, is that you know, I re- you read a lot of cookbooks by chefs or food writers, maybe, and you'd think that they would have like they would have touched every single insight <laughs> about and be more, uh, I guess, sort of introspective and thoughtful when it comes to food. But some of these writers and artists really touch on things I've never thought about before. 
Um, and you know, it's, it's somebody who doesn't have the profession of food that is, um, you know, have a new fresh perspective on a lot of these recipes. Um, one for instance, um, is an artist by Ruth, by the name of Ruth Ozeki, uh, who I've never heard of before, actually. So it's kind of cool to discover folks. But um, she writes about meat, and uh, it's a really thoughtful essay. She also writes that one good thing about being a novelist is that nothing is wasted. Every silly thing you've ever done, every mistake, dumb job, bad idea, failed relationship is redeemed by its novelistic potential. And uh, that just made me think up front about how, you know, a chef is always looking to repurpose and reuse parts of things that they've made and um, kind of never let anything go to waste that is tasty or not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, okay. So do you have any ultimate favorite, Natalie, from this book? Um, I, I'm sure everyone asks you that. So you can change your, no, you can actually, like, have I, a different I favorite like I now. I haven't and then, really been asked that that much. Um, okay. I let me think. I mean, it's so hard because I I, <laughs> I feel so um, personally invested in in so many of these. Like it was just such a maybe um, amazing process. But like you know, you I love I love mm-hmm. them in different ways. So like mm-hmm. I I love Francesca Leah Block's um, prose poem. I feel like it's just it's so deeply moving, and every every time I read it, it's deeply. Oh moving yeah, that one was really cool. It was I like a love poem. That one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll, I also love all of her recipes. So um, I, I haven't cooked every single piece in uh, every single dish in the book yet. Um, mm-hmm. It was sort of more important to me to share, you know, um, the version of a recipe that the contributors make than, you know, the version I personally right. prefer. Um, but um, <laughs> but so, you also but did. I love all of hers, and they're uh-huh. fantastic. Nice. Um, and you also did share your own recipe and story for disgustingly yes, good cookies. <laughs> yes, I shared my cookies. That looks awesome. They're chickpea based. Chickpea yes. chocolate chip banana cookies. That's, uh, yes. that's a crazy one. That is a crazy um, one. But it's really good. It is I'll really good. Yes, I probably made that more than more than anything else, but but with some someone's they're like Julia Alvarez's cookies are close behind now because they're a huge favorite in my house, my daughter. <laughs> Love them. Her her ginger cookies are are a hit. Um, All right. So I I, yeah. I also love the illustrations. And I should mention that this book is also just really beautiful to to flip through and to have. Um, the design is great, but the cute little illustrations for every single recipe. Yes. Um, were those by? Wait, I should know this. Who are yeah. who, who are those by? <laughs> They're by um, Amy Jean Porter. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I didn't. I did not illustrate. I'm an mm-hmm. artist, but I, um, not an illustrator, and it would have been insane actually to do do all of it. It's a lot. There was a time that I thought maybe maybe I could, but but no, no, I really could not. It's but lovely. Amy Porter is actually one of my oldest and dearest friends. So um, I've known her since I was 16, and we were studio mates at Yale and housemates on 9th Street in East Village and then on 9th Street in Brooklyn. So it was really, really amazing to collaborate with someone who kind of understands my sensibility and and shares my sensibility and then also, you know, who I know so well and admire and adore. So It's really great. Um, And they really show that uh, she knows her food, too. I'm looking at this beautiful drawing of black trumpets the oh, black yeah, trumpet yeah. mushrooms, yep, and it goes so well with the description that um, this essay is by Gideon Bach, who yeah. is a painting, um, a painter, yes. and a painting professor. And um, he describes, 
He describes the trumpets um, with their horn-like shape. He says they've been called trumpets of the dead, as if they're, in fact, horns blown by dead people buried underground. Yeah. And uh, it works so well with this, um, seeing that illustration. Okay. Um, it, it perfectly ties in that metaphor. Yeah, we, we talked about every single one of these really, really okay. And let's talk about your celebrity encounter here. You have James Franco. <laughs> Uh, yes, I do. Who? Everyone who people, so many people have assumed that he and I are like best buddies. So I, I was just like, "Hey, James!" No. And he's like, "Oh, sure," but no, I don't know James Franco. I, How did that work then? You just reached out to. Did you have a feeling that he had something to say about food, or <laughs> why um, did you choose him? I mean, I feel like he had, he kind of has something to say about most things. So mm-hmm. um, it was. It, I I did not I did not know. Um, no, I, I didn't know he would have something to say about food, but it was just. And he has a lot to say about PB&J, which is his recipe. Yes. Um, And his childhood and school lunch. And And I didn't know he was raised by um, a single mother, so that was something. It's it's amazing. And again, you know, talking about something that is nostalgic and homey as PB&J. Yes, eating them on. But I love the idea of seeing him on the movie sets, you know, all the glamour of a movie set. And he's on a... With their holding holding his PB and J at eleven o'clock after doing his first scene of the day. Oh, great. I love that he provides a recipe for PB and J, which I don't think I've ever seen before. <laughs> um, I think it really goes to prove that it's more about the style than the substance, because the recipe is actually hilarious um, to yes, read through. Yes, it's hilarious. Um, yet it is still PB and J. <laughs> so okay, yeah, no, so I, think of it, I mean, I make PB and J all the time because I have you know a four-year-old and a six-year-old. But oh, this yeah. book has James Franco's forever changed my timeless about PB and J. Oh, well, okay. So, do you think that this is a book? Who do you imagine you know this being for? Um, folks who are I, I know you're um, an artist and writer. Um, do you think it's for all kinds of creative folks like that, or or maybe someone who has way too many cookbooks on their shelves and needs something a little bit more? Um, something to sort of chew on, if you will, um, when it comes to the prose or, or all kinds. I mean, yeah, I feel like it could be for a lot of people, really. Like, it's, you know, I think... Um, James Franco you know, a fans. A lot of people are kind of... <laughs> yeah, James Franco fans, exactly. Um, but, you know, I mean, so many people are drawn to, like, food blogs now, and, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and, like, the farm-to-table movement, you know, the, and, you know, are interested in having food be, you know, a more personal and kind of intimate experience. And I feel like this book, kind of along those lines, it sort of offers that kind of intimacy mm-hmm. um, with, um, you know, with, with people and with food and sort of like having conversations like with, with all of these people, um, or at least that's, that's how I've always thought of it while making it. Like I was kind mm-hmm. of pulling up, sitting, sitting at a table with, with all of these great people, mm-hmm. with a, a, giant, a giant potluck. Um, can you and, do um, that? <laughs> that would be awesome. Can we do? Yes, that's, this is the dream. This is like yeah. phase two. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I've been dying for this this potluck to happen. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I actually, when I made the book, I was so worried that it was going to be all because um, I, I, I prefer my. I, this is just a confession, but I prefer making um, breakfast food and sweets above all else. So I've made more of those than anything else. Um, it is just, I think it's the time of day, like those are the mm-hmm. times of day that I like to cook somehow. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly why, but, um, cause a I lot like of people wrote else. about breakfast too and eggs. That was like a big topic. Yes. This book. Yes. Eggs. Well, I eat more eggs also than everything. Mm-hmm. So, that, so mm-hmm. that worked out really nicely for 
for me, but that wasn't by design. It just kind of worked out that way. But but it it was great for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but um but actually, there's such a range and of of things, and they're more main dish items than anything else. So really, the potluck mm-hmm. is going to work out. Nice. It just it just needs to happen. Let's do it. Um, but back to your question, you you're asking who the book would appeal to. But I feel like you know it, it would definitely appeal to people who are who are kitchen savvy. Um, because it offers, you know, a different kind of intimacy, I think. Um, and it's it's beautiful, as you said, which I love. But I also think, you know, it, it would definitely appeal to, you know, to readers and art lovers who aren't necessarily kitchen savvy, but, you know, would take pleasure in reading stories from yeah. their artists, if they're art lovers, or stories from their favorite writers. And the, the cool. it's really cool. You're absolutely right. Like, these are original pieces, you know, that you, you were right. able to to get out of these current um, modern-day working artists and writers. So this is really a special collection of firsts. So congrats. And I, I can't imagine how long how long did it take to get, you know, get everybody on board and, and feel like you had enough to, to go with um, and it, get their actual <laughs> recipes and writings. It took, I mean, it took about, it took less than a year before I sent it to to get a mm-hmm. book deal okay. publisher. and then that process was very exciting and took some time yeah. and then once I had that that took um, you know between like you know waiting to for them to finalize the terms and all of that stuff I'm, I'm sure you know how that works I, yeah, maybe I'm just it was imagining. way for you but it was not speedy for, for me but I'm, I guess it probably varies but, but it's, it's I don't know. It can be slow. Or- I, yeah, I can imagine like just waiting to hear from Jan- James Franco's assistant for his PB and J recipe. When is that coming? I mean- Actually, he was really fast. He submitted. He and Joyce Carol both submitted way before I had a book deal, oh. which is amazing. Um, and I just wrote him one day, and then like, well, I mean, I guess I had written, invited him a couple of times. I'm very um, persistent, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but, uh, but then one day it just appeared in my inbox, and there it was. And it, like I'd written the day before, so I think, cool. and then the next night, and it was amazing. And, um, and the same with Joyce Carol Oates. But, but then, so the whole thing was three years, but there was sort of a year of lull. So I guess two years to really gather and, and work, and, mm, including yeah. designing the book and all okay. that part, which, and like, you know. I see. So It is a lovely, lovely book to hold and, and have. So congratulations. And I'm inspired now to just reach out to random celebrities and um, get some <laughs> wonderful insights about their food. Um, it's a great, it's a great story. And, um, like, you know, like a great dinner party seems like you've hosted a a wonderful collection and project. So congrats, Natalie. Thank you. All right. Well, I hope everyone checks it out and, um, thanks again for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Um, your host, Kathy Irwin, we'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio.
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.